Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800 247 3051. 800 247 3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Father, we come as children and open your book. And we pray for your spirit to now teach us in Jesus' name. Amen. Genesis 40, verse 1, And it came to pass after these things that the butler of the king of Egypt and his baker had offended their lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was wroth against his two of his officers, against the chief of the butlers and against the chief of the bakers. And he put them in ward in the house of the captain of the guard into the prison, the place where Joseph was bound. The captain of the guard charged Joseph with them. He served them. They continued a season in ward, and they dreamed a dream, both of them, each man his dream in one night, each man according to the interpretation of his dream, the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt, which were bound in the prison. Joseph came in unto them in the morning, looked upon them. Behold, they were sad. He asked Pharaoh's officers that were with him in the ward of his Lord's house, saying, Wherefore look ye so sadly today? They said unto him, We have dreamed a dream. There is no interpreter of it. Joseph said unto them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me them, I pray you. Chief butler told his dream to Joseph, said unto him in my dream, Behold, a vine was before me, and in the vine there were three branches, and it was as though it had budded, and her blossoms shot forth. The clusters thereof brought forth ripe grapes, and Pharaoh's cup was in my hand. And I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup, and I gave the cup into Pharaoh's hand. Joseph said unto him, This is the interpretation of it. The three branches are three days. Yet within three days shall Pharaoh lift up thine head, restore thee unto thy place, and thou shalt deliver Pharaoh's cup into his hand after the former manner when thou wast his butler. But think on me when it shall be well with thee, and show kindness, I pray thee, unto me, and make mention of me unto Pharaoh, and bring me out of this house. For indeed I was stolen away out of the land of the Hebrews, and here also have I done nothing that I should be put into the dungeon." Okay, now, in our last study, we saw how Joseph interacted with these two prisoners here, two important prisoners, personal butler of Pharaoh, personal baker. And it says in verse 6 about uh, his interaction there, it says, he came unto them in the morning, looked upon them, and they were sad. You see, sadness. And it would have been so much easier for Joseph just to say, you know, we said, just for Joseph just to come there and say, oh, boy, you know, (laughs) I see these men are sad, but, you know, I don't have time for this. You know, I, gotta, I have my own problems that I'm involved with here. I got my own issues in life, and, I, and, I, and I'm just going to pretend like I don't see them, you know, I, because I don't see their problems. And that would have been taking a posture of, I got my problems. I don't have time for someone else's troubles. I can't get involved. That's a position of, I can't get involved. 
and that's really a position of, I'm not going to get involved. That's a posture of, I'm not going to get involved. It's so easy for us to assume that posture in our lives. And every time we see another person hurting and, and realize that, you know, it's going to take time. It's going to take our time to get involved, to find out, to help them. And I'm not going to do it. See? And God wants to bless us. We need to see this. God wants to bless us if only we'll get involved like Joseph did. Look, this was really an integral part in Joseph's deliverance, the fact that he made the decision here to get involved. And it's our loss if we say something like, well, let somebody else, someone else will come along. God will send somebody there. You know, the sovereignty of God, he takes care of everything. It's not me, you know. And there are people all around us in our lives that are lost. They're on their way to hell. And the words of the Bible that used to describe these people is this phrase that says, drawn unto death, drawn unto death, which means that they're being taken to death. They're being taken to an eternal death or hell. And that phrase, drawn unto death, is given in Proverbs 24.11. And Proverbs 24.11 puts it beautifully when it, and so graphically when it says, if thou forbear to deliver them that are drawn unto death and those that are ready to be slain. If thou sayest, behold, we knew it not. You know, I don't see it. It doesn't say that. I'm just going on. Doth not he that pondereth the heart consider it? And he that keepeth thy soul, doth not he know it? And shall not he render to every man according to his works? See, the lost are called, they're drawn unto death. They're heading, ready to be slain. They're heading right down the middle of the road to hell. And, with no, and, and they don't have any apparent misery for their sins. They don't look miserable on the outside for their sin. They're, they have no apparent misery for the sin that condemns them. And they have no apparent concern for the hell that awaits them. They don't. They're just like sheep going astray. You know, they look like they're, they're happy, dumb sheep. You know? <laughs> they are described as them that are drawn unto death. When a man was going to be executed, when a man was going to be executed, there, on his way to his execution, there was a person who went before and he yelled out in front and he said stuff like, something like, does anyone have anything to say that would show that this man is innocent? Does anyone have any new evidence that wasn't considered by the judges? Because the judges are here now and they can stop this man's execution. Is there any new testimony that the judges need to hear right now that's gonna keep this man from shortly dying? And those people that were being led to their execution were called being drawn unto death. And if someone heard that man yelling out, you know, uh, those things, and he said, I don't want to get involved. This is going to make a big scene. I got plans for today. And that person is described as forbearing to deliver, forbearing to deliver, forbearing to deliver. And what he says, what his words are captured here in Proverbs 11, where he says, we knew it not. No, not can't hear, can't hear, no, no, can't hear, can't see, no, no. We knew it not. And God says he sees the heart of the person who is 
forbearing to deliver. And it's a picture of a person whose conscience is speaking to them. You've got to go help that man. You can help that man. He's drawn, that man that's drawn unto death. But forbear gives this picture of the person reasoning with himself and saying, you don't have time. Someone else is going to step in. Look how busy you are. You can't. Those are the arguments of forbearing. The word forbearing there means refrain or restrain. And the lost in our lives, they are those who don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, and they're drawn unto death. They're drawn into a death, an eternal death in hell. And God wants us to jump in and get personally involved in their lives to bring them to the Savior of life. And so when we see a lost person and hear the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is the one who's going out in front of this person and crying out, is there anyone who has something to say to keep this man from dying in hell? That's the time for us to stand up and to say, yes, I have something to say. I have a reason why that person should not die the second death of hell and be cast into hell. And the reason is not because he's innocent. The reason is, is because the innocent one, the Lord Jesus Christ, died for his sins. So he shouldn't die. And it would have been a whole lot easier for Joseph just to have insulated himself in a corner in that prison and say, I'm not going to get involved in these people. But that's not Joseph. He jumped in. He got involved. And that's the message behind verse 6, where it says, And Joseph came in unto them in the morning and looked upon them, and, and behold, they were sad. Joseph had to jump in to those prisoners in order to bring out of those prisoners what the whole issue was. I mean, you got to remember here. Those prisoners were not sitting there and crying out, Joseph, Joseph, we're sad. Come over here, help us, interpret our dreams for us. That wasn't those prisoners. Joseph had to, he had to draw it out of them. So he jumped in, he got involved with them, and, 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 and he drew it out. You know, the lost are not here in church. The saved are barely here in church. <laughs> But the lost are not here in church. They're outside the church. And to expect that the lost should come into church so the gospel can be preached to them is like putting a sign up in a boat that says, any fish that wants to get caught, jump in here. <laughs> you know, about 40 years ago, Carl Hammond used to come to this church. Who remembers Carl Hammond? I'll tell a few. Gene, you don't remember Carl Hammond? <laughs> of course you do. Okay, he used to come to the church and he to the chapel here, and he used to say, he used to say like this: "Since when do lost sheep seek a shepherd?" <laughs> That's what he used to say. And this is this is really the emphasis of him's like bring them in, you know, bring them in out in the desert, you know, hear their cry out on the mountains, you know, wild and high. Hark, tis the master speaks to thee. Go find my sheep. Where are they be? Bring them in, bring them in, bring them in from the fields of sin. Bring them in, bring them in, bring the wandering ones to Jesus. God's message to us is, go find my sheep where'er they be. So when Joseph says to these prisoners in verse seven, wherefore look you so sadly today, it shows Joseph is really impressed with their sadness. And when we take the time to look at the lives of, of the lost, We'll see sadness. That's what we're going to see. We're going to see sadness. I still remember how 
long time ago, it was back in May of 1984, a potential customer came from Tokyo, Japan, to visit Scanabody's lab. And I was with him on Friday, and then we spent, you know, uh, uh, <laughs> recreation time on Saturday. And then I said, well, you're not going back, you know, until next week, so you'll be here on Sunday. So come to the chapel, I said to him, you know. We have a little church, you know. It's this place, you know, so on Sunday. So, so this man, you know, we were talking on Saturday, and he began to describe to me his daily life. It was sad. His life consisted of his job, just his job. He was the operations manager of the second largest isotope manufacturing company, radioactive isotope manufacturing company in Japan. And he and his wife never had any children. But so their hobby was they loved to eat exotic food. All right. <laughs> so their daily delight was every morning before he would go to work, they would plan out what kind of exotic food they were going to eat that night and which restaurant they were going to go to in Tokyo. Their whole joy in life was dinner. Now, furthermore, he then went on and he told me that he had four brothers and two sisters in Japan and how one sister had died. But then he quickly, after he said that, he quickly jumped in and he added, the rest of us brothers and sisters are all in good health. He said that. And as I studied his face, I could see this, this, this sadness, this like spirit that was cast down, this soul that was disheartened. You know, a real sadness. I mean, just put yourself in his shoes. How would you feel if you replaced your daily devotions, your meeting in the morning with the Lord Jesus Christ with trying to decide where you're gonna eat for dinner that night? Or how would you feel if that was your total joy in life? I mean, how would you feel if you had no hope of heaven, no cleansing from your sins, no fellowship with God, no peace with God, and no assurance that when you died, you were gonna go to heaven? I mean, just picture like a rope hanging over hell. And each one of your brothers and sisters are holding on tightly to that rope. And then your sister loses her grip and falls right into hell. And your only consolation is that you and your brothers and sisters are still able to hold on to that rope. You know, how would you feel in life? I mean, you know, your sister loses her grip, falls into hell, and you yell to the rest of your brothers and sisters, how you doing? You still able to hold on to the rope? You still got a good time? Okay, good, good. How would you feel? How would you feel? I asked him if he ever read the Bible. He said, no, he'd never read the Bible. I brought him to chapel, as I told you. I brought him to chapel here. And I remember Dave Redlings. How many remember Dave Redlings? More. <laughs> okay, so Dave Redlings talked to him after church, and Dave was so moved, so moved by him, that Dave went out that afternoon and bought, I don't know where he got it, he got a Japanese Bible, and then he took it to him. Now, why did David do that? Why did Dave Redlings do that? Because Dave did what it says in verse 6, Joseph came in unto them in the morning and looked upon them, and behold, they were sad. Joseph felt their sadness, Dave felt his sadness. To see and to feel sadness 
for a lost person, it requires a second look. A second look. You know, the first look is we hear what they're saying, you know. But the second look, we take another look, and then we feel what they're feeling. You know, King Solomon called this second look, he called this second look, return and consider. These are the words that he used. Return and consider. And he used these words in Ecclesiastes 4.1. In Ecclesiastes 4.1, he said, so I returned and considered all the oppressions that are done under the sun. And behold, the tears of such as were oppressed, and they had no comforter, and on the side of their oppressors there was power, but they had no comforter. See, twice he says that, they had no comforter. So when King Solomon says, I returned and considered, really, when he says he returned and considered, he beheld the tears. See, I returned and considered all the oppressions done under the sun. And behold, the tears. So that's when he returned and considered, he beheld the tears. And with his return and his consideration is when Solomon said twice, they had no comforter. They had no comforter. See, when Solomon took the second look, it was when he says, I returned and considered, is when Solomon saw on the side of their oppressors, there was power. There was power. And when we take the second look of the so I returned and considered, that's when we're going to make the awful discovery about the law, our lost friends. As we're going to look at it, we're going to say, you know, this lost person has no Holy Spirit to comfort him. He has no Holy Spirit to comfort him. He has no Bible to guide him. He has no Lord Jesus Christ to save him, to cleanse him from his sins. All he's got is the devil with power to oppress him. And that's what Solomon saw. And by the way, my friendship with that man in Japan has grown through the years. And um, we exchange correspondence, you know, throughout the years. And when Cheryl and I visited Japan, his wife uh, took the whole day and took us on a train from Tokyo down to Kyoto where she was raised in Kyoto and spent the day with us. We have a meaning relationship. They're now in a rest home. And I continue to correspond with them. I've sent him my testimony DVD. I've sent him books in Japanese. But I ask you to please pray for them. But it was the sadness in Joseph that he saw in these two men that drove him into this kind of an eagerness. You get this eagerness coming out of Joseph. He wants to help them. He's so enthusiastic. It's actually kind of contagious. I'm sure those prisoners thought, why is he so enthusiastic? Why is he so confident? But it gave these prisoners a confidence to tell them with, with this troubling dreams that they had. So what, we can further see Joseph's enthusiastic spirit when we look in verse eight, and he says, do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me them, I pray thee. He's really jumping in when he says, I pray thee, I pray you. You know, it shows a strong eagerness. Now, we can see how Joseph helped them when he said in verse eight, do not interpretations belong to God. So in the Egyptian culture, it was very superstitious. It was mysterious. I mean, it was, this is what Egyptian culture was. It's kind of hard to explain, but the less an Egyptian understood about something, the more importance he put on it. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, for Egypt, nighttime was very, very important. It was a very important thing. For example, the owl... In Egyptian, the owl, among the idols, 
the Egyptian, the symbols, the aloe is very important to them. And dreams really bothered the Egyptians because they put so much emphasis on what, what happens at night. And, and so they had these people that made the, a business of interpreting dreams. And that's what these men made them so sad because there was no interpreter, you know. And so Joseph saw these men were just, you're going in the wrong direction. You know, they said, well, he said, well, we had a dream, but there's no interpreter. And Joseph says, that's the wrong way. You know, we had a dream. We're looking for an interpreter. There's no interpreter. And in the last chapter, see, they said there's no interpreter. That means there's no interpreter with us. But in the last chapter, we saw emphasized that the Lord was with Joseph. So the Lord had the interpreter. <laughs> and so Joseph had, had dreams, and the Lord was with Joseph, and he gave to Joseph the interpretation. But these men had dreams, and the difference is, is where they looked, where they looked for their interpretation. Both these men and Joseph were prisoners. They were both prisoners. They both had dreams, these men and the prisoners. And Joseph had dreams. But the difference is that these men looked for an interpreter and Joseph looked to God. And as believers, we face the same problems as unbelievers. Unbelievers lose their jobs. Believers lose their jobs. Unbelievers have family problems. Believers have family problems. Unbelievers get sick and believers get sick. The flu finds unbelievers and the flu finds believers. Unbelievers get cancer and believers get cancer. We face the same troubles in life. We have the same problems. But the difference is, is where we look for comfort, for direction. Those men were Joseph. They were prisoners. Joseph was a prisoner. They had dreams. Joseph had dreams. But the difference is, those men were looking for an Egyptian interpreter to help them understand. Whereas Joseph, with his dreams, he looked to God to help him understand. And what's the unbeliever's sources of help today? What is it? Alcohol, movies, TV, parties, yoga, transcendental meditation, whatever. What's the Christian's source of help for trouble in life? Prayer, Bible study, Bible meditation, hymns, church. So when those men said there's no believer, they were saying interpretations belong to interpreters. Sorry, when those men said there was no interpreter, they were saying interpretations belong to interpreters. But when Joseph said, do not interpretations believe to God, Joseph was redirecting those men away from where they normally found help or tried to find help to God. And that's our ministry to the lost world to redirect souls to find help in God. Our message is always, you need God. You need God. And we can see that when Joseph said, do not interpretations belong to God, Joseph was redirecting them. And there was, there was also another redirection in that, what Joseph said, because he said, when he said, interpretations belong to God. Let me ask you, who did those prisoners see giving them the interpretations for their dreams. They saw Joseph. They saw Joseph. So they would have naturally said, no, interpretations belong to Joseph. You know, you know, we see Joseph interpreting our dreams, so clearly interpretations belong to Joseph, not God. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. 
Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. Or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Sunday Night Church is back. Join Friendship with God Bible teacher Tom Cantor at the new Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Join us early each Sunday at 4.30 p.m. for food and fellowship with Sunday evening services to follow at 5.30 p.m. Watch Tom Cantor and the service on YouTube Live, located on the Friendship with God website. Enjoy encouraging teaching from our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, in a relaxed and family-friendly atmosphere. Sunday Night Church is back, so join us at the Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum at 10946 Woodside Avenue North in Santee, California. For more information, call us at 800-247-3051, 1-800-247-3051, or visit friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org for the Friendship with God Fellowship.